Because as a coach, just like in basketball, you know, like Phil Jackson can't go play the game for his team. His players have to play the game, but it's his responsibility to coach them. It's his responsibility to train them. It's his responsibility to, 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 to pull out or point out like, mm, you slipping on that one. You, you played that one small. You not showing up. You not giving 100%. It's that coach's responsibility to kind of, to, 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 you know, to pull that out of the client or out of the player. Great day, great day. You are listening to the Jerisha Said Podcast. Having the courage to start your own business and actually sell your consulting services online can be tough. Look, it may not be easy, but it can be simple. In each episode, we take a deep dive into one core growth strategy so you can gain a solid understanding of what's required to serve your clients, sell your services, and scale your consulting business online. All you have to do is listen to what Jerisha said. So if you are ready for a transparent, I'm talking all the way real, edge snatching strategies, grab your castor oil and keep listening. I am your host, former engineer, turned online high ticket sales coach, Jerisha Hawk. You probably chose to tune in today because you have a burning desire. You have had this idea of starting a coaching business and creating consistent revenue, but there's a gap. Something's missing. You are ready to raise your rates, but you lack the confidence with being able to attract an audience of high-end clients and sell them on your offer. That's why this episode today is brought to you by my signature program, Newly Enhanced Services That Sell. If you've been thinking about turning the skills that you currently have into a high-ticket, four-figure service that you can sell consistently, I encourage you to sign up for my free crash course training at jerishahawk.com backslash raise your rates. I'll make sure that you know everything that you need to not just deliver your services and help your clients get amazing results but how to actually attract those types of clients and sell them consistently using very simple foundational sales strategies. This method has been developed specifically for those who don't have a large audience and who don't want to spend thousands of dollars trying to get complicated funnels to actually work. This is your time to gain the clarity that you crave to confidently sell your services online. Do not waste another minute. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash raise your rates today. Register for the next training and finally get an efficient plan that you can follow and implement so you can start selling your services. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash raise your rates now. You might be afraid of niching down or raising your rates because subconsciously you might be afraid that your clients may not get the results that you promised. And if that's something that you've ever worried about or struggled with, this episode is really going to be for you. One thing that I've been learning as over the past four years of coaching clients is that a lot of the time, I think um, us as service providers, we default to different roles without even realizing that we're doing it. And when you think about, you know, if you're running a coaching program, there's a difference between coaching your client and consulting your client. There's a different way that you need to show up. There's a different way of, um, and I notice a lot of the time, if you realize that if, if you feel as if your clients cannot get the result without you being there, 
um, there's probably something wrong with your process. And you might have subconsciously or not, you know, not being fully aware of that you're really enabling your clients rather than empowering them to get the results and to become who it is they need to become so they can sustain the results after they get done working with you. So this is going to be a, a really, a really, really good one. If this is something that you struggle with or, you know, or what have you. So um, let's, let's, I have some notes um, this might be really beneficial for you to take some notes on because I think this is something that many of us, as you're starting to run a business and get online and package your services and start coaching, very few coaches, a lot of the programs that you maybe have enrolled in, don't actually teach you the art of effectively coaching your clients. And I'm not talking about, um, I don't necessarily think you need to go get a pay for a certification and take nine months um, to get certified through the ICF or something like that. But I think this is just something for you to be consciously aware of as you continue to grow your business. We talk a lot about sales here on this podcast and on my Facebook business page and through my live streams. But also what's also really important is how are you showing up for your clients after you get the sale? And this is one of those episodes, okay? So the first thing is, are you coaching your clients or crippling them? And I'm going to walk you through a few different scenarios. And I just want you, I'm going to walk through like five different scenarios. And I want you to self-evaluate, okay? So for every scenario that I'm about to describe to you, I just want you to write down on a piece of paper and say, is this true or false for you? Do you do this? And be honest, okay? I want you to be honest. But I want you, I'm going to give you five different scenarios and I'm going to just ask you, to just type in the comments or write in your journal or you know share your results with me via DM over on Instagram. But just let me know, is this true for you, okay? So the first thing, first thing, is when you are working with clients and um, they start to experience a challenge, maybe they start to, uh, yeah, they start to experience a challenge as they're going through your curriculum. Are you somebody that typically, will you just come in and do it for them? Even though that's outside of the scope of your relationship, that's outside of the scope of your contract, that's outside of the scope of the agreement, are you one to just naturally want to just go do it for them, fix it for them, solve it for them? They're like, hey, coach, I have a problem. I can't seem like I can't figure out what the name of my my signature service should be. And then you jump in and you just solve the problem for them. You do it for them. You, you know, you tell them what their offer should be or the name of it should be. Just using that as an example. So that's one. Are you, a tip, are you the type of coach that typically jumps in and does it for them? Just say true or false. Second scenario is, let's say they're, they're having some issues or having some problems. Are you the type of coach that typically jumps in and you just give the answer to them? Are you the person that if they're having an issue and it's like, well... Jay, you know, this is, um, I don't know which niche I'm supposed to pick. Am I supposed to go with corporate clients or am I supposed to go with B2B or am I supposed to go B2C? Do you jump in and just give the answers, give them the answers to solve their problems or allowing them to stay stuck in their old patterns of, yeah, just are, are you the person that jumps in and gives them the answer to fix their problem? You know, they say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And it's like, well, you, then now you as a coach, you're telling them what their niche should be. You're telling them what their business model should be. You're telling them what their price should be. Do you just come in and give them the answers to solve their problems? So just write down true or false. Third scenario is do you allow your clients to stay stuck in old patterns of self-sabotage, letting them not do the work or get or allowing them to get out of contracts? Are you the type of client that allows your clients to stay stuck in old patterns of belief? And an example of this might be some of our clients say, well, I just can't, I can't sell over the phone. I cannot collect payment over the phone. That is something that I cannot do. 
That is an old pattern. That is an old belief. And, and quite honestly, that's not even true. You are capable of collecting payment over the phone. You are capable of getting a commitment from somebody over the phone. Um, you do not have to send invoices and like wait scaringly. But are you the type of coach that allows your clients to stay in those old limiting beliefs and stay in those old patterns of belief? Are you the type of client where, you know, if your clients are tr constantly trying to break contracts and get out of the agreement, you know, they sign up to work with you and then three weeks later, they're like, you know what, I want to quit. Are you the type of coach that lets them get out of doing the work and allows them to get out of the contract because of they're afraid or, you know, for whatever reason, they're like, this doesn't work for me anymore. Are you the type of client that helps the coach that, that lets them do that? So that's a third scenario. Is that true or false for you? Fourth scenario, fourth scenario is, do you make your clients wrong? I think this is something that we don't consciously realize that we can do, but um, if a client is presenting something to you, do you notice that you as the coach are sometime, I don't want to say you get on the defensive, but like you're quick to be like, mm, that wasn't right. Or like you're constantly making your client wrong. And sometimes they might be wrong, <laughs> but um, it's about how you, how you react and how you respond. So I just want you to, kind of, that one's kind of personal. Uh, and I, I think that may not be, may take some self-reflection to be honest or truthful about, but I just want you to think about that. Are you the type of coach that typically makes your client wrong? And the last scenario, the fifth scenario here is, do you project your limiting beliefs in your opinions onto your client? Again, this is something that we may not be consciously aware of that we're doing, but are you the type of coach that projects your beliefs? You're projecting what you think is possible. You're projecting your opinions onto your clients. And I would love for you just to figure out what your score is. How many truths did you have down? How many falses did you have down? And there's no right or wrong, guys. Like you're not getting graded on this test. Um, your parents are not going to find out. But I just think it's really important for us to take a moment to self-reflect. Because a lot of the time when we are, and I'm going to give you guys some, some uh, suggestions or invite you into different ways of showing up that are opposite of the ways that I just described. So I'm going to give you guys those in just a moment here. But I want us to talk about, again, are you coaching your clients or are you crippling them? When clients come and enroll with, I know with me, with Team Hawk, when they enroll in services that sell or they enroll in leverage, this is something that, you know, it's not my responsibility to get my clients results. As a coach, it is not your responsibility to get your client the result. And that is definitely, I think, like a taboo belief that many of us attach onto um, when we are growing our businesses. You know, and I notice that when I'm working with clients and we're encouraging them to niche down and like, you know, solidify their pop person and their pop problem to raise their rates, one of the fears that comes up or the beliefs that comes up is that, well, if I get more specific on what my guarantee is, Jay, how can I clarify a promise if I can't, if it's not my responsibility, if I can't guarantee my client is going to get the result? Like, do you guys ever feel that resistance when you are, you know, working on, you know, nailing down your positioning, clarifying your promise, articulating what your guarantee of your offer is? Have you ever felt that resistance where like, well, if I get this specific, I can't like, you know, I'm a coach. Like, I can't make my client do the work. Like, I can't give them, like, I can't guarantee, quote unquote, or like that they're going to get the results. Like, have you ever felt that way before? And this is something that I want to introduce you to be able to shift your perspective on. Because as a coach, again, this is very specific to the coaching industry, it is not your responsibility to get the client the result. 
It is your responsibility to empower that client, not enable them. It is your responsibility to coach that client, not cripple them. It is your responsibility to create a framework, to prove your framework, to support your client through the transition of doing the hard work. But at the end of the day, your client, it's a two-way commitment that you and your client are agreeing to when they sign that contract. You know, this is something that we do inside of Leverage specifically because it's a higher ticket, higher touch point experience. But we have um, a legal contract that we have all of our clients sign. And we also have something called a Leverage Promise. And the Leverage Promise is a document that details out exactly what our clients can expect from us. And it details out exactly what we expect from them. And it is a very, it's not, there's no legal jargon. It's very like direct and straightforward. But when you are engaging in a coaching relationship, you're not making a two-way commitment. As the coach, as the provider, it is your responsibility to, you know, provide the framework, to offer the levels of support, you know, to clarify what those boundaries are, to also clarify what the end result is going to look like after your engagement is over, like clarifying what, how was their life or their business going to be different after they work with you. It is your responsibility to do that. But as a coaching client, your client also needs to set some, like make some agreements on what they can, what you can expect from them. Are they going to show up? Are they going to do the work? Are they going to ask for help? Are they going to do without delay? Are they going to push past the resistance even when they are scared? Like those are commitments that they have to make. And then you guys need to agree on those expectations together. Because as a coach, just like in basketball, like Phil Jackson can't go play the game for his team His players have to play the game, but it's his responsibility to coach them. It's his responsibility to train them. It's his responsibility to to pull out or point out like, "Mm, you slipping on that one. You you played that one small. You not showing up. You not giving 100%. It's that coach's responsibility to kind of to, 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 you know, to pull that out of the client or out of the player, but it's still the client, the player's responsibility to play the game, to show up in the game, to do the work. Like, I think a lot of the times, you know, as consumers, sometimes we get this misconstrued too. It's like, well, I enrolled in the program. My hands are washed. I ain't got nothing else to do. And it's like, no, 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 no. You investing in a coach or enrolling in a program is just the first step. (laughs) Like that's the first action of courage that you take. And then from there on, you're going to be taking consistent actions of courage as you're doing the work, as you're following the process. Um, so it's, it's, it's as, and when you sign up for a coaching relationship, it is really important, I think, to, this is what I think allows, again, if you start elevating your price point and raising your rates, these are things that you need to have embedded in your sales process because it is like it's your responsibility as a coach to lead and to drive the relationship. It is your responsibility to set the expectations, to clarify the boundaries, to make it crystal clear what promise you're delivering. It is that is your responsibility as a coach. Okay? But now that you've set those expectations, then it's like you need to create an environment and set the container of expectations to ensure that your clients are also very aware of of what the expectations can be, okay? So I want to give you guys, is this making sense? Like this is a, and I know if you're somebody who started raising their, or is afraid to raise their rates, afraid to niche down, afraid to clarify your promise or um, articulate your guarantee, you can still have a guarantee and a promise, even though these things are true. Because again, when you put in these boundaries of expectations and clarify this with your client at, at the point of enrolling in their program, 
you can guarantee it because you're guaranteeing that, hey, this is what you can expect from me. I'm going to be showing up. We have coaches on staff. I will be coaching you. These are the things that I, we have a proven process, right? We have very, uh, like, and y'all know if you guys are in services that sell or leverage, y'all know how I create curriculum. It is robust. Um, and it's very much frameworked and modeled out. It, you know, I, I credit that to my engineering background on like everything that we do is as re a repeatable machine, you know, that if you go through our process and you, you know, need to refine it, you don't have to go buy another program. You can just go through our process again. Um, it's very much a machine, but that's your responsibility as a coach to provide that. But it's also, you can guarantee a promise because once you set the expectation that this is what we're both doing in the relationship, right? As a coach, it's also you're, you're supposed to be the one responsible to say, okay, what, needs, what, need, what do the expectations need to be so that I can guarantee my client this result? And this is where niching down is so powerful is because I know that there's certain clients that we will not enroll in our programs. Why? Because I can't guarantee them the result. If, they're not, if they don't have the mindset that they're going to do the work without delay, you can't enroll in my program. If they do not have, if they're not willing to make the commitment to say, I'm going to show up and do the work, there's no point in you enrolling in my program. I can't guarantee you a, a result because I know it takes a two-way commitment for us to achieve this goal. If, if I, so there's things, the more you clarify and niche down, quite honestly, the stronger your promise and guarantee becomes because you're only going to be enrolling and you're going to be selective about what clients you work with because there's certain clients that no matter what you do, you won't be able to help them get the result because of how they're showing up. Again, coaching is a two-way commitment. Does that make sense? Okay, so I want to go back to where we started. I gave you guys five different scenarios on how you might be crippling your, your clients. And I want us to shift into what you can be doing to be an empowered coach so you're not crippling or enabling your clients, okay? So the first scenario that we talked about was doing it for them. Right, A client comes to you and they're like, Jay, I don't know the name of my signature service. Just give me a name. You're more creative than me. And then me, the crippling coach, this is how I would show up. It's like, yeah, this is what your name should be. No, no, no. But the empowered coach, right? The capable, the, the empowered coach in me would say, you know, instead of doing it for them, you want to really support them as they do it on their own, especially when it's hard. So this is something that you learn how to do is like, how do you coach your clients and support them? to help them discover and do hard things for themselves without you uh, uh, really allowing them and creating an environment for them to do it on their own. Okay. So that's the first thing. Second is giving them the answers to fix their problems. That's what we do not want to be doing. That is a form of enabling. That is a form of crippling, but the way for you to be an empowered coach is asking them questions to help them discover the solution within them, asking them questions to help them discover the solution within them. And I know there's people who are in my programs who services that sell or in leverage and they'll ask a question in the group. And then what do I normally do, guys, ladies and gentlemen who are on? What is the first thing that I do when you present a problem? You come in the group frantic. What is the first thing that I do? I start asking you questions. I don't give you the result. I don't tell you the answer um, unless it's like. Where can I find the pricing calculator? It's like, then that's a different type of thing. But if you guys are more so struggling with like, how do I know if my niche is specific enough? Or how do I know? I ask you a bunch of questions. And in the beginning, it is very, very frustrating. Because it's like, well, I already, I paid this girl, I don't know how much money. And she just need to give me the answer. But I could do that, right? But at the end of the day, my number one responsibility is I want to help you achieve the result. And I want you to become a better CEO, Right? 
I hire coaches too who ask me questions and I get pissed off when they do it. But at the end of the day, it makes me better because I do not ever want my clients to become dependent on me to think that I'm the only one that can give them the the solution to their business. And that is not what we want to do. I want to teach them how to ask themselves, how to, how to process questions and think through things from a different perspective. So they're becoming better CEOs. They're learning how to think more strategically during that learning process. It can be kind of frustrating because it's like, okay, just tell me which niche I'm supposed to do. Just tell me what the name of my signature service is supposed to be. Like, Jay, I don't know why we playing all this. Just tell me. That's like, okay, so now you're telling me it's my responsibility to tell you what your business should be. I'm not working in your business. I like, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know what God told you to do, but it's my responsibility to ask you questions to help you discover the solution within you. So this is really the difference. You know, instead of me just, you know, again, there's times where it's like, okay, Jay, I just need the answer. And like, you know, we're aware of that too. Like there's some stuff that's just like very you know, content based or like whatever. But when it comes to um, you making um, important decisions in your business, it's, you know, again, I'm there to, to have my perspective to ask, to know what questions to ask you so you can make sure that you're thinking about the situation holistically so you can make the best decision for yourself. But that's what a good coach does, okay? So that's the second scenario that we talked about. The third is allowing them to get stuck in old patterns of self-sabotage, letting them not do the work and get out of contracts. This one can be a bit uncomfortable. Um, And I I think a lot of the reasons why people struggle with this, especially coaches, because they do not have language in their contract that explains what's supposed to happen when these random situations come up. So when I look at our legal contracts, part of the reasons why we have, when we start to do, um, you know, five figure offers, we have clients sign contracts, but you have to look at your contract as a, as just a way for you guys to communicate expectations. But the coach, instead of allowing them to get stuck in old patterns, allowing them to self-sabotage, allowing them to get out of their contracts, a capable coach, an empowered coach, your responsibility is to hold them to their commitments, even when they want to give up. And this is something that I've really had to work on over the years because um, there's a few of you guys who are lo- watching this live right now who are in services that sell. And two weeks after enrolling in services that sell, you guys are asking for a refund. And it's not. Be- and the number one reason they ask to back out is because it gets really, really scary. You know, we're asking, we're asking when you enroll in our programs, we're asking you to. I can guarantee go to a different level of depth than other programs have asked you to do. Um, we're asking you to do things that make you very uncomfortable. We're asking you, and again, it's all with like within safe reason, but we're asking you to do things that are going to uh, force you to grow. And, and in order for you to grow, you typically have to step into something of discomfort. And that discomfort can be terrifying. And people's typically, like their old patterns is when it gets uncomfortable, I run. When it gets uncomfortable, I flee. When it gets uncomfortable, I quit. When it gets uncomfortable, I default to my comfort zone of my circumstances. But remember why you enrolled in the program. You would not have bought services that sell or enrolled in leverage if you wanted to keep living your life the way you've always been living it, right? Like if you were happy with the results in your business or in your life, you would never have joined my program. You would never have hired me as a coach. So a lot of the time, we that fear and that resistance and that scariness of you know doing the live stream, of having the sales conversation, of learning how to be confident, actually closing a sale on the phone, getting a client to commit over the phone, like that can be really, really scary to do. But it's my responsibility as the 
you know, an empowered coach as, and this is the same for you is to hold your clients to the commitments that they made. You know, and I think that's a really the true test of a coach is like in those moments when your clients get really, really afraid, sometimes they don't articulate it that way. They'll give you every excuse under the sun. Well, we're going through a home remodel. This is just not a good time for me. But literally seven days ago, it was a good time. So in seven days, seven days ago, you were going through the home remodel too. Seven days ago, you weren't happy with your business situation. Seven days ago, you were not happy with the consistency in your revenue or the impact that you were making for your clients. Like a lot of it is just fear. And when we get, when your clients get afraid, they will start to look for external proof that will justify the discomfort that they're in, which gives them an excuse to leave. And I know I'm snatching somebody's edges. I know somebody's wig and came all the way off. Um, but this is like, this is a responsibility that you have as a coach is to be able to decipher between when, you know, those moments of fear and how are you coaching your client through that fear? Cause sometimes that those moments are the most precious moments ever. And those moments when you can coach a client to holding them, holding them to their commitment, to holding them to a higher version of themselves. than they may even be holding themselves to. To, to making sure that you're not giving up on them even when they want to give up on themselves. There's a way that there's an art and a craft to doing that. And I think that's really a true test of how good your coach is, is because like if, if you made it clear what your expectations were and what it was that you wanted to accomplish when you enrolled in the program, it's their responsibility to hold you to that and like to, to, to help coach you through that fear. Because the fear is normal and it happens, but it's like, how do you as a coach, or do you like, well, fine, then go. Bye, and then you get all butthurt about it and all that. So that's so that's the fourth scenario. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to talk about automation and systems for a second. Seriously, isn't it about time that you stop manually doing everything in your business? If you're in the business of booking clients, there are certain tasks that you have to repeat often. Booking discovery calls, scheduling coaching sessions, and doing follow-up touch points. If you are repeating a task over and over again in your business, you should automate it. Acuity Scheduling is my favorite system, not just because they sponsored today's episode, but because they helped me automate all of those client interactions. With Acuity Scheduling, you'll never ask what time works for you again. Clients can quickly view your real-time availability, and it even integrates with your Google Calendar. And they can self-book their own appointments, reschedule with a click, and even pay online. You can even use Acuity Scheduling to book appointments on social media. You heard me right. With your Facebook business page or IG's booking button, your followers are literally just a click away from scheduling through your social media profile. Seriously, I could go on and on about how easy Acuity Scheduling makes it for me to keep up with my clients despite my busy schedule. But what's even better than me telling you is you seeing for yourself. For a limited time only, you can get 45 days of Acuity Scheduling absolutely free, no credit card required. Just go to acuityscheduling.com backslash Hawk Hustle to check it out for yourself. That's acuityscheduling.com backslash Hawk Hustle for your free 45-day trial. Go get on it. The fifth one that we talked about is make them wrong. I think a lot of the time, again, these last two can be... um, like hard to recognize when we're doing it, but it's something that I think we all do um, and have to catch ourselves on. But that fourth scenario is, um, are, you know, the, you're crippling your clients when you're constantly making them wrong. You're coaching your clients when you can maintain rapport and maintain dialogue. 
So instead of saying your client is wrong and like kind of getting mad at them or like getting resentful towards them or, you know, like outlashing, it's how can you maintain dialogue and, 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 you know, talk through the situation. In the fifth scenario, the last one, we said that the crippling um, aspect or the enabling aspect is that you project your own limiting beliefs or your opinions onto your client. And it's really disheartening when clients come to work with me and they were like, well, my last coach said that I can't, there's no way that I can um, sell a $3,000 service. They told me that, that I was not capable of doing that. So that's why I've been selling low ticket. Or I, I've had clients come to me and say, well, my last coach told me that this target audience would never buy something that expensive. So she told me I needed to make a, a membership model that was $27 a month. But that just really isn't aligning with me. And I think it's really important that like, it is never my responsibility to tell my clients what they are or are not capable of doing. Because a lot of the time that might be rooted in my own limiting belief of what's possible. And then sometimes we can unconsciously project that onto our, our clients. And that can be extremely damaging. You know, I've had clients come to me. Y'all know my name is Jerisha. Jerisha. It's hard to spell. Um, it's a little hood. Well, I don't even go and call it hood. I'll just call it like ghetto bougie. That's how I define my name. But I've had coaches tell me and I've had clients tell me that, you know, because a lot of my clients have uh, unique names and I think like uniquely spelled names. And a lot of the time, you know, I've had coaches tell me too, like, "Mm, you probably shouldn't name your business your name. It's hard to spell. People can't pronounce it. And like, just think about how damaging that can be to your self-confidence because it's like, that's who you are. That is your name. So I think sometimes I, I don't think that people do it consciously a lot of the time. But I think it's really important that, you know, you are not projecting your beliefs, your opinions, especially if they're coming from a limited space, a limiting space onto your clients. Um, To be that capable, confident, empowered coach, you want to observe objectively and listen to their beliefs, right? You know, if a client comes to me and I've had clients similar, you know, who have similar spelling names or like unique spelling names of me come to me and say, you know, I... I don't want to name my business my name because it's hard to spell people. It'll be difficult for people to Google, like, what am I supposed to do? And then they end up creating another name that I think is a lot, I don't want to say more watered down, but it's a lot safer um, because it's easier to spell. And they kind of put on this um, front for their business that's not really them. And, you know, if somebody comes at me and says that, it's like, it's my responsibility and it's your responsibility. As a, I'm just using that as an example because that was one that was very real for me. And I've had a couple clients come to me and say something similar. But it's your responsibility, even if you don't, if you have your own beliefs or your own opinions on it, it is not your responsibility to project that on them. It is your responsibility to observe objectively, to ask questions, to listen to their beliefs and help them discover what's true for them and how they need to move forward for themselves, not based off of what you think they should do. So I gave you five different scenarios on really how are you crippling your clients or how are you being that empowered coach for your clients. Um, And this will allow you to really show up in in a more profound way to support your clients with helping them achieve the results. So, and especially, I hope this gives you confidence if you've been really afraid of raising your rates and offering a higher ticket offer or niching down and clarifying your promise and your guarantee is that realize that when you do those things, it allows you to actually become a better coach. It allows you to actually have a stronger guarantee. It allows you to actually support your clients with getting bigger transformation, the more clearly that you can define those things. So... 
I have, I know some of you guys might be out here looking for a business coach to work with, and I have compiled a list of 20 questions that you can, can you should consider when hiring a coach. So you can get the full list on my free guide, um, 20 questions to ask your business coach at jerishahawk.com backslash guide. It's just a 20 question guide that will help you kind of when you're going through your vetting process on hiring a business coach. And if you are a coach, I highly recommend you do- download it too, because you should be able to answer all of these questions to help help you uh, inform a client on why they should hire you versus hiring somebody else. So that's at jerishahawk.com backslash guide. So a lot of the things that we teach is like, how do you how are you screening and qualifying your clients before they ever get on a sales call? And there's things that we do. Um, we I'm a really big proponent in um, enhancing your marketing and aligning your marketing content with how buyers make decisions. So you are screening and qualifying clients through your content before they ever get on a sales call. So by the time that you get on a sales call, you know you 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 already have pre vetted them in a number of different ways to ensure that you're speaking with clients that are of the, of the right caliber. Um, to enroll into your program. So that's something that we teach our clients in our programs too, Stephanie, but absolutely that's something that you should be doing. There's so many things that you have to unlearn in order to raise your rates and enroll high ticket clients consistently, mainly because a lot of other, I think, coaches that are mainstream or courses or programs that exist in our space, they do not cater to high ticket offers. And when you're enrolling clients at 2000 6000 um, some of our clients have secured contracts for $50,000 to $80,000 per client. There's a completely different way that you need to approach sales than what you would do if you're selling a $97 digital course or if you're selling, you know, $150 an hour coaching offer. Like when you, there's so much unlearning and services that sell primarily because you're, you're fully committing to a completely different business model than maybe what you have before. And a lot of other programs and courses um, don't really clarify like specifically what their content is designed to help you accomplish. But the vast majority of programs that exist um, are catered to lower ticket offers. And there's just a different way that you have to show up and sell when you're selling something that's less than $1,000 per client versus when you're enrolling clients $2,000 and above. And I know that that price threshold is only a $1,000 difference, but it makes it, it is a completely different psychology of how a buyer is going to make a decision. So there is so much unlearning that happens in services that sell and leverage because you're having to learn how to position your offer and niche your offer and articulate the promise of your offer in a completely different way than how most of the programs that you previously have bought are telling you to do. Being a life coach or a business coach is just a title that is not a business model. So when we think about the POP method, um, this is you know where we really help our clients niche down. There's like kind of three levels of niching that have to take place. Um, so the first one is like, what is your overarching career category? A life coach or a business coach is just your career category. It's not actually the business model itself. Um, you need to actually focus on how are you getting very specific on what promise am I delivering? How is after somebody working with me, what is a specific outcome that I'm going to be supporting them with achieving? And that's more so like deciding if I want to be a, li- a life coach or a business coach really isn't the... I said the right question to be asking, the right question to be asking is what is the tangible result that somebody's going to get after working with me? And then whether you label yourself as, I I could call myself a life coach. Like so much of what we do in our programs is quote unquote life coaching, but that's not the positioning or the promise that I'm actually selling. Even though it's something that I do, it's part of the process. It's not the actual promise. 
So life coach, business coach, sales coach, um, health coach, those are just your, your title. That is your label, but that's not the promise that you're actually delivering. So I would really invite you to think more so about what is the transformation that's being provided? What is the promise that I want to sell? Like, what is the promise that I want to position in the marketplace? Because the labels are really, like I said, I could call myself a life coach and that would be true as far as the transformation that I support my clients in. However, that's not how I'm positioned, nor is that the promise that people are actually paying me for. So I hope that helps. And are there situations where beginning coaches can jump into high ticket sales? Um, the question is absolutely. Like I'm a really big believer in flipping the funnel. And that's like really looking at most business models say that you have to create a, kind of, a ton of free content, build a really big audience, um, get somebody to buy a tripwire offer that's $27 or $97, then buy a mid-ticket offer that's like $200 to $500 before you ever introduce them to high ticket. And I'm a big believer on flipping the funnel where you start with a minimum viable audience and you introduce a high ticket offer as your entry level offer. Um, so that's, that's how I grew my business. You know, that's, I shouldn't say that there was nine months of me not doing that cause I was afraid. And then, you know, once I committed to that, that was my business model. So just because you're a beginning coach doesn't mean that you're beginning at getting people results. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things for you to recognize is that Kimberly, you may not, you may be new to packaging your offer as a coach, but I can almost guarantee you're not new to helping people get the result that you're selling. So I think sometimes we can underqualify and undervalue all the experience that we have in our past that we're bringing to the table. And because of our fear and our lack of self-worth and us believing that we're not enough, we start to, we will underqualify, undervalue and underprice out of the gate. And it's just, we have to make sure that we're not doing that. Like if you know that you're providing a transformation and you've done this in your job, you've created this transformation in your personal life, you've helped others do this for free time and time again, what have you, like you might be new to selling it as a business or as a coaching offer, but you're not new to helping the client get the result. So um, I'm a firm believer that like you should be selling high ticket out of the gate. Like, and honestly guys, $1,500 coaching package is not really that high ticket. A $2,000 offer is really not, like in the grander scheme of things, especially related to the return on investment that you're helping your clients achieve, that's not that much money. And I know that money and the price points is relative, but when you are helping a client like, you know, grow their business or repair their, uh, their marriage or, um, you know, bounce back after a divorce, like $1,500 for that type of transformation or $3,000 for that transformation is nothing in comparison to the return on investment that you're guiding that client through. So I think that's something that's really important for you to think about. And, um, that's something that we specifically teach inside of services that sell is like, how do you lead with a high ticket offer and enroll high ticket offer, enroll clients in those $1,500 and up coaching offers, um, out of the gate. And you say, is it possible? Like go visit jerishahawk.com backslash results there are dozens of testimonials of clients who have been able to do that. Or if you listen to my podcast, um, there's a ton of student spotlight episodes of our clients sharing how they've been able to do this in their own business. So that is totally my belief. That is what allowed me to replace my salary and quit my job and go full-time in my business was because I led with high ticket offers. Um, my first coaching package, when I decided to flip the funnel, was a $3,500 coaching package. And then the thing that I sold that for, I think, three or four months, it was one-on-one. -on -one. 
And then I did one-on-one, like I said, for three or four months, got you know three to five clients under my belt. And then I repackaged that same one-on-one offer into a group offer. And that group offer was $9,000 for six months. And that $9,000 offer, I booked over $60,000 in sales in one month off of like, I don't know, 11 people. No, it wasn't 11. I think it was seven people or something like that. Again, high ticket offer. So I did high ticket one-on-one, you know, enrolled three to five clients um, around that three three to four thousand dollar price point repackage that one-on-one offer into a leverage program it was a group program we sold that for nine thousand dollars for six months like that changed my life so we have to make sure that there's a difference between showing up as an employee and showing up as an entrepreneur and many of us default to trying to find our title because that's how we in society how it operates right whenever you go look for a job the first thing you do is like search for a title You don't really read like, what's the job description? What am I supposed to be doing in the job? What value am I bringing to the bottom line of this organization? It's just like, what's the title? And in business, I think it's very, um, it can be very detrimental if you lead with that, especially if you're just starting your business and building your business from the ground up, is because your title really like, I don't wanna say your title doesn't mean much, but the thing that sells is your offer. The thing that sells is your ability to articulate the promise that you deliver. The thing that sells is how are you, you like how are you deciding to uniquely position it in the marketplace so other people get the value of it. That has nothing to do with your title. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. But I think also Renee's like, I still don't have a title. I change my title like every two months. I change my title based off of the audience that I'm speaking to. So when I'm in, um, you know, when uh, I'm speaking to people who are like very much in our industry, like I use a different title than if I'm speaking, doing a keynote at a high school. I use different titles dependent on the audience I'm speaking to because I use a title that they'll be able to identify with. But I do not like... If you're trying to build your business and you're getting caught up on like, what should my title be? You're completely missing the mark because your title is not what sells. The promise that you deliver, how you position it and the way that you articulate your value, that is what people are buying. They are not buying your title. That was a fantastic point. So um, like I mentioned, guys, if you want my guide on the 20 questions to ask your business coach um, when you're evaluating a business coach or if you want to self-evaluate yourself knowing what you need to be able to answer when a client comes to you, visit jerishahawk.com backslash guide and go download that. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really appreciate your guys' attentiveness and the questions. Um, And as always, if this content was valuable, like if today was valuable by any means, please share it. That's it. So I will holla at y'all later. Have a productive day. um, And I'll talk to y'all soon. Toodaloo. Hey there, Hawk Hustler. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. If you are ready to turn your side hustle selling services into a profitable online coaching or consulting business, visit jerishahawk.com backslash workshop. Within just one hour of this free masterclass, yes, free 99, you will have a proven framework to convert not just better clients, but more clients who are willing to pay top dollar consistently. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash workshop and I will see you there.